minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Hello and welcome back to a Wednesday edition of a Pack-A-Day Podcast, wherever you may be and however you may be listening. Thank you so much for making us part of your day. My name is Nick Schmitz and Today on the podcast, we have a very, very packed show for you. Lots of stuff to talk about. It's We're halfway through the week and got another division game ahead of us this weekend. Vikings coming to Lambeau for the second straight year on week two. So week two, same thing as it was last year. Uh, hopefully it doesn't end the same stupid way it ended last year. Ties are dumb. Um, and if you disagree, I'm sorry that you're wrong, but uh, ties are stupid and the NFL should do something about it. But we're not looking for a tie this week. We are looking for 2-0. and And today on the podcast, we're going to break down the Packers offense, matching up against this stout Vikings defense and joining me. I think this is the first time the three of us have done this since we've kind of realigned Maggie, Jacob, Welcome, and I like I said, I think this is the first time because I got married and was gone and then was sick last week, feeling much better this week. Um, so I know, Maggie, you wanted to start off by asking how Harry Potter World was. <laughs> I um, did. And uh, I did not enjoy it as much as my wife did, uh, but that is, I mean, I like Harry Potter, it's cool, but she loves it, and uh, we had we had a really good time, it was a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, um, I'm not the right person to ask because I'm not like all about it, but, uh, and, uh, Jacob, um, any kid update for us? It's baby week and she's due on Friday. So if I just exit <laughs> and you guys don't hear my voice again, uh, let's just assume that we know why I've been working all week and uh, obviously ever since the we've kind of hit the month of September and that's what I've been telling all my work people is if I answer my phone I'm not being rude I promise it's just uh, that's what it is and it's time to go so nothing yet but uh, like I said she's due on Friday so we'll see if she's here for Packers Vikings that's awesome and I'm I'm assuming we'll be able to get all the updates on Twitter when it happens oh yeah eventually Uh, I'm sure that there will be a lot of uh (laughs) I know it's like selfish of me, but I probably won't be on Twitter that much as it's happening. <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> yeah, how dare you use your Twitter platform to not keep us informed on the very every second of your life? Very rude, but uh, right. uh, yeah, Maggie, uh, it, somebody's got to do it. And <laughs> and Maggie, um, uh, just quickly, uh, your your husband. I've never met the guy, but. Browns game, you were at it on Sunday. It did not go very well. Uh, any initial thoughts on, I mean, it, it was it as bad as it looked? Yeah, and their fan base, um, the most fun part about being in Cleveland for a game is that, like, when you're at Lambeau, people boo occasionally and they're a little upset. But when you're in Cleveland, their chants are, like, not suitable for podcasts. And it cracks me <laughs> up. Like, they are passionate, hardcore fans. And I'm all about it. I kind of wish that Lambeau fans uh, brought a little more heat. So I'm excited to see what these new video boards are supposed to look like um, for the opener. 
we're supposed to have more uh, player interaction and stand up, get loud, which I'm all for because some of those Browns promos made me want to run through a wall. And to me, a 5'3", trying to run through a wall would be a sight. So I was here for it. I was fired up. All right. Well, hopefully it's it. Hopefully it gets better. Uh, condolences to him. Uh, I sounds like you guys had fun though while while you were at the game. Is that the first time he's ever been to a game in uh, Cleveland? Second time because the first time we went was Packers versus Browns, where they won for three and a half quarters and then lost in overtime to Devontae Adams. So I think I need to stop taking him to Browns games because maybe I'm bad luck. But every time I bring him the Browns lose in a dramatic fashion and it's, it's upsetting. Well, we'll just have you on an, on an every eight year cycle. When they go to Cleveland, you just have to go when the Packers play there so that we can get the win and then, then we'll be good. So I can, I can do that. All right. Well, as, as long as you can do that for us, I, I think, <laughs> I think that's a fair enough deal. Um, so, but anyway, all right. So into the podcast, actually now our topic. So we're going to talk about this Packers offense versus the Vikings defense and um if you thought Chicago had a great defense well yeah you can put some of the low numbers on that but uh, the Vikings defense is equally as good so I'm gonna do something I don't really want to do because you're not supposed to do it in an audio format but I'm gonna throw a lot of numbers at you guys here real quick and we'll just pick up with where we can so Green Bay Week one, only 10 points that ranked 29th in the NFL, 213 total yards, 31st in the NFL, 166 passing yards, 28th in the league, and 47 rush yards. These are all averages, 27th in the league. So statistically, not great. Now, again, we put a lot of that on. You're on the road. It's week one of a new system. Teams trying to figure it out. And Chicago's got a great defense. All of those are acceptable things to look at, but eventually it's got to get better. And now you've got a week under under your belt here, and you, it's home opener against the Vikings. And the Vikings, if you watched any of their game on Sunday, uh, they looked really good. They They looked really good. They had three turnovers in the first 20 minutes. They blocked a punt on the first Falcons drive and then followed it up with an interception right after that, and they were up 14 nothing, And, you know, in the conversation as I've had, you know, you'd like to think that they won't get that again. And then you say that out loud, and then you really just cross your fingers and say, please, Green Bay, don't give them that type of game. So they had three turnovers in the first 20 minutes, and interception in the end zone uh, late in the third quarter. Anthony Harris, one of their starting safeties, uh, he, he had – both interceptions and the fumble recovery that they ended up getting uh, midway into the second quarter. And they didn't allow any points against the Falcons until nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter when it was 28 nothing, And then they gave up another touchdown with a minute five garbage time when it was 28-6. to So, Maggie, just want to start here with you quick. When you look at this matchup this weekend – are you more concerned about the Packers' offense still trying to figure things out as to maybe a reason if they struggle, if they do struggle? is it? Are you looking more so because they're still trying to figure things out, or is it another week where you can say, 
look, you've just got another great defense coming coming at you, and it's just it's hard to it's hard to move the ball, hard to score a lot of points against the defense of this caliber. I mean, I think that the Packers opened the season with what was probably the biggest test that their offense could have faced. I know that, you know, you just said we're not supposed to play the numbers game in a podcast. Um, But for comparison, the Chicago defense, they allowed those 10 points, which was fourth overall for the entire league, only 213 yards, which is second overall for the league. 166 passing yards, fifth overall in the league, and then 47 rushing yards, which was sixth overall. So every category, they were a top 10 defense for week one. And for a brand new offense under Matt LaFleur, trying to emphasize the run game against a stout front seven, it made sense that the offense was going to struggle. And I know that it wasn't maybe what Packers fans expected, given Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, and Packers fans always kind of expect him to find a way to be better than the defense he's facing. Um, but I think that that Chicago defense really presented probably one of the better challenges in the NFL, um, especially being in an away stadium. So given that the Packers are coming home to Lambeau, they're facing a Vikings team that maybe has a little bit better offense than the Bears did, but also maybe a little bit weaker defense, even though it's still a very good defense, um, being at home, being able to do a little bit more. I think that some of the passing lanes and the rushing lanes will open up for them at home uh, week two. Well, and you know, it's you, you, you would hope that those things would be true. And uh, one of the things that, you know, it, a lot of it comes down to, for me, Aaron Rodgers. There was, uh, in, in a little bit of what I saw, he took five sacks uh, against the Bears, which, you know, you really have to kind of look. Are they coverage sacks? Uh, a lot of the, there was a there was one in particular I know in which he had a hot route receiver in which he I don't know if he's not comfortable throwing that ball. Uh, what it was, but one thing that he really needs to do is he needs to get the ball out a lot quicker. So Jacob Rodgers was sacked five times on Thursday, and the Vikings had four sacks. Uh, this past weekend, Daniil Hunter, Linval Joseph, Everson Griffin, Everson Griffin, and Anthony Barr, all four of them had a sack apiece. And it's really not surprising with those names that I just threw out there. But, you know, when you look at this Packers offensive line and those four names, I mean, if Aaron Rodgers is sacked five times, I mean, is that even really that surprising with this kind of defense that's coming into uh, from the the type of defense the Vikings have coming into Lambeau on Sunday? I would suppose not. Uh, I think that, you know, they're going to be slowed down a little bit just from the fact that they're on grass, they're not at home. Some of that stuff will come into play a little bit at least uh, as far as slowing the Vikings down a little bit. But as we've seen several times at Lambeau, the Vikings pass rush was successful last year against Aaron Rodgers. Well, now granted, Rodgers couldn't move as well as he normally does. That was the first week uh, that he had played a full game with his leg injury. But, I mean, yeah, you better uh, – I think you explained it very well there. You just mentioned some very, very good players. Uh, David Bakhtiari had one of his worst games that I've seen him have as the Packers' left tackle since he's kind of become the starter and uh, in a really long time. And that's strange to say because I know, you know, coming into this season, when you look at the Packers' offense, you know that you can count, or at least you think, you know you can count on Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Bakhtiari, Brian Balaga, 
uh, assuming he's healthy. And if you want to say you can't count on him because you don't know if he's going to be healthy or not, I think that's at least a semi-fair assessment. And Bakhtiari did not play well. And Aaron Rodgers didn't play all that well in particular either. Now, granted, like you mentioned, it's the first game, and there's a lot of reasons for that. And it's Chicago's defense. Uh, but at the same time, uh, 69 and 75 better buckle up their chin straps because as much as we are gushing over Zadarius Smith's game against the Bears, and rightfully so, uh, Daniel Hunter had just as good of a game on Sunday against uh, the Minnesota Vikings, or the Vikings, the Atlanta Falcons. Those two now, Smith and Hunter, are tied for the league lead in pressures on the quarterback. And simply put, Aaron Rodgers is getting older and can't withstand that kind of beating to where he's taking five or six sacks a game. I know all offseason, one hot button issue to discuss all the time is Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. And something that makes Tom Brady great is his willingness and ability to get the ball out of his hands quickly to not take those hits. I know some people use that as a trait against him, saying he's unwilling to stand in the pocket and take those kind of hits. But, I mean, quite frankly, I don't want my quarterback taking those kinds of hits either. So I would like to see Rodgers get the ball out of his hands quicker. Granted, I will admit this up front, I'm not a – I'm not a film guru. It's not like I've sat down and charted things. I think that there are a lot of great people that do things like that. Uh, So you have Andy Herman and Ben Fennell and guys like that to do things like that. So frankly, why would you care about my opinion on what I've seen from the film? So from what little I have seen of the film, the Bears were really good in coverage the other night. So maybe Rodgers just wasn't willing to pull the trigger because nothing was there. But there are examples of him being unwilling to pull the trigger on things that are there. And I think I I said something as much this week with, with Aaron, it's that I've heard the excuses of, or not the excuses, the, the statements of, I need to play better. I need to get the ball off quicker, all that stuff. I heard all that stuff last year and it never happened. And now one game into this season, granted it's one game. I'm not saying the sky is falling. I'm not saying the offense won't get better. I'm not saying Rogers won't get better, but I have heard these discussions before. I need to see it. I need to see him snap the ball with more than one second on the play clock. I need to see him get the ball out of his hands quicker because Rodgers, as good as he is when he extends plays and things like that, Rodgers is at his best when the ball is coming out of his hands on time in the pocket when his back foot hits that ground on his drop. That's when he's at his best. That's what he needs to do. Well, and you know, and I would very much agree with that. And I, I take you all the way back to the 2018 season. And you, I, I thought one of his most impressive games, not because of the magnitude of the comeback, but was week one after he injured his leg. Because he was hobbled, he was forced to snap the ball and get the ball out quickly. And it worked really well in the entire second half of that game. And it's just one of those things. It worked so well. I really wish that he would do more of that. Um, but Maggie, I, I want to turn to another subject here regarding the Packers offense. Uh, and I, I want to know if you think it's fair or not. I've heard since Thursday night, I've heard people talk about the new Packers offense. And again, it's only one game, so we can only take so much from it. But the some of the criticisms that I've heard of the offense was that obviously it looked different in the sense that yeah, they ran a lot of different sets, more under center stuff than what McCarthy ran in his system. But that the criticism was that it wasn't really all that dynamic. It didn't. It didn't look 
spectacular and it didn't seem to confuse the Bears defense at all. Is 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 that a fair statement to say about the Packers offense from I mean again, one game, but given that we were kind of expecting lots of I guess I don't know if flash is the right word, but something completely different and it didn't look overly complex. I think it's kind of tough to assess after the first game solely because, you know, like we mentioned, this was a dominant Chicago Bears defense that returned a lot of the same players that were problems in 2018. Um, and I, I mean, I think that obviously you can say that the offense maybe wasn't as explosive as we expected it to be or knew that it could be under Lafleur. Um, he did tend to get away from the run game, especially late in the game uh, when the Packers needed to get into the red zone and put up a couple more points, you know, keep the game out of reach for the Bears. But he is running more two tight end sets. The tight ends are getting more involved in the offense. He is trying to turn to the run game more. So I think there's subtle signs that the offense is improving, um, but it's up to the players at this point to execute that. And Lafleur did say in one of his post-game pressers, I don't remember the exact terminology that he used, but it was something like their get out of jail menu, you know, where he was turning to plays that he didn't normally want to use in the offense, but they were plays that he knew would kind of pick up the tempo and get the offense going. They were like the rescue plays um, that he normally wouldn't have had in a game day situation. So because that defense was so dominant, um, he can only do so much. He can only call so much. That front seven was moving people around all night. And outside of Bakhtiari and Balaga, I think the offensive line struggled a little bit given, you know, the explosive plays um, and the playmakers that the Chicago Bears defense had. So I think it'll pick up a little bit, especially at home against the Vikings. They still have a really strong front seven, um, but the players need to also step up. Mercedes Lewis, I know that he had all of three receptions last season. So, you know, there's a lot, of anticipation to see what he can do now that he's actually catching balls from Aaron Rodgers. He dropped a, a really good uh, first down opportunity against Chicago. So I think at this point, you know, LaFleur is calling the right plays and it's up to the offense to execute that, but that'll happen as the offense builds chemistry, as they keep things going, uh, moving throughout the season, but it's only week two. So got to let them build on that. Please let me jump in on this, man, because <laughs> I 100% agree with every. I think that in this day and age where we have so much information, there's so much obsession with what the scheme is and what the play call was and all this sort of stuff. And reality is, you know, the old saying is Billy's and Joe's, not X's and O's. And realistically, something I asked before the season started was okay. The Packers are betting that a new offense is going to fix what cured them last year. And a lot of fans thought the same way. My question was, what if the players in that offense are not very good? I'm not saying that we know that they're not very good at this point, but that is a fair question because behind Adams at the receiver's position, there's nothing in terms of proven talent. And there's not a lot in the name of proven talent at this point on the Packers offense. Not just that, but I think that, there was a longstanding joke I remember when I was blogging for uh, PackersTalk.com, and we called this dude Play Calling Guy. The same guy. and You guys know who I'm talking about. It's a dude who says, oh, that's awful play calling. This is terrible play calling, this, that, and the other. You literally can't see. I, sometimes the right play is called, and the players screw it up. That's just the reality. 
please, I beg of you, stop drawing crazy conclusions like that after one game. Uh, well, I mean, and yes, and and again, I would, I tend to agree that yes, it's only one week, but there's the criticism out there, and I just like to address it. But one thing that I I do want to get both of your takes on. I talked about this on Saturday, and I, I and Jacob, I hope this isn't me nitpicking again. But there was one thing that I noticed from Rogers on Thursday that I thought was very uh, interesting. Like I said, I, I talked about this on Saturday, but. He seemed to ha- he seemed to throw certain passes that last year I thought he would have just thrown away. Uh, the one that comes to mind in particular is the touchdown to Jimmy Graham. That to me seems like it. From what I saw last year, when he threw that ball, I said there's no way he throws that pass last year. That just goes out of the back of the end zone unless he knows that he has a free play. Uh, but it seemed like he took a few more chances with the ball uh, Thursday night. Is that is that fair to say that he's doing that? Uh, is it is it unfair? And do you do you expect to see more of him trying to fit balls into tighter windows and not so many throwaways this year? I certainly hope so. I think on the on the Jimmy Graham touchdown, I think that there's one of two options. He either thought he had a free play. Uh, which he did. I think the Bears were offsides on that play. Or he really trusts Jimmy Graham to win that one-on-one battle because as soon as he threw it up in the air like that, my first thought was, oh, that's intercepted. Like, there's no way that one of our guys is coming down with that pass. It looked like one of those, I don't know, something this specific came to mind. But back when Brett Favre was the quarterback, there was a game in Green Bay. They were playing Jacksonville. And... Favre rolled to his right and threw it into the end zone. And it just looked like one of those. Have you guys ever, when you're playing Madden, have you guys ever thrown the ball to a receiver but been really unsure when you press the button? So it's like you hit the circle button, but you're like, oh, crap, and then I meant to hit square or something like that. That's kind of what that pass looked like. So the hope that I have, though, I mean, you mentioned uh, Maggie brought up the pass to Mercedes Lewis that would have been a really good first down opportunity for him. That was a play that I think you're right, Nick. I don't think Aaron throws that pass last year. I think there were other opportunities. Uh, but you still saw some of the other stuff, too. The There was a play-action pass where Robert Tanyan was slated to block Leonard Floyd. That ball's got to come out, uh, whether tight window or not. It's got to come out because Robert Tanyan is not blocking Leonard Floyd. It, that, that's not one you draw up for him to block Leonard Floyd for five seconds. So. That's the hope. I think through one game there were some encouraging signs uh, and some signs of some of the other stuff. So hopefully this week is another step in the right direction. And, and Maggie, I mean, did, are you seeing the same thing from Thursday night? Or, or I, I mean, or is this, again, another overreaction to the play of Aaron Rodgers? No, I mean, I think it is. Honestly, when I watched the play, I thought that ball was meant to go to Geronimo Ellison, and Jimmy Graham just has such a – impressive catch radius that he kind of got in front of it and he looked at it like a jump ball and basketball and he got up there and kind of boxed out and got the reception because they were both kind of in that same area. Uh, But to me, this offense is an offense that's going to need some heroes. And what I mean by that is outside of Devontae Adams, like Jacob was saying, there's not really a stud yet that's identified themselves. I mean, I know that Aaron Jones has the potential to be incredibly explosive. We all love his potential. But Marquez, uh, Geronimo Ellison, Jake Kumro, Trevor Davis, Robert Tanyan, these are all late round or undrafted players that the offense is relying on. 
you look at all the big name free agents, the first round draft picks, the Packers have been so lopsided and gearing up their defense that the offense is kind of suffering from that. You have Aaron Rodgers, who's supposed to be the savior and who's always able to keep you in the games. But then if you look at the game on Thursday, Trevor Davis and Robert Tanyan both had one target for one reception for 28 yards. So this offense is relying on undrafted players to make these huge plays and keep the Packers in, in tight games. And really, you know, they're being asked to step up when you have offenses like the Patriots that are acquiring talent at the drop of a hat constantly. So while I think the Packers offense has the potential to still be really successful, these aren't a lot of big name guys. They are players on the rise that could be big names, but outside of Devonte Adams, there's a lot of unproven talent here that needs to step up and, you know, put themselves in a position to be successful. But right now going into week two, there's still some question marks. There's optimism, but there's question marks. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, I think that's going to be a consistent theme that we hear through the first couple of weeks of the season, that there's lots of question marks, lots of things that need to be figured out beyond Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. So quickly before we wrap up here, guys, I, we spent a lot of time talking about this Packers offense, uh, rightfully so. But again, one thing that needs to be kept in mind is this Vikings defense is very, very good. And so for our listeners, if there's, a single player from this Vikings defense that you are most concerned about coming in to this Sunday's game as far as disrupting the offense, making a play, who is it that you guys would be considering as the most concerning? And again, I know it's difficult because this isn't basketball where you can just be like, oh, LeBron James, and you you just try to do what you can against him, right? It's a team game. It's a team sport, but... Jacob, if there's one guy in this Vikings defense that you just like, if he just kind of didn't show up on Sunday, it would be the best for the Packers. Who are you looking at for that on the Vikings defense here? I kind of mentioned him earlier. It's Daniil Hunter. Uh, I think that you know he and Zadarius Smith were two of the best defensive players in the entire National Football League the first week of the season. Having watched the game Sunday, I mean, every other play, it seemed like this guy was in the backfield. The Packers fans, if you want the ceiling, well, the ceiling, feeling I've mentioned is kind of limitless for this guy, but kind of the same stuff that was said about Rashawn Gary is set was said about Daniel Hunter when he was drafted as well. Just a box of tools that you kind of mold together and hope to make the great player out of it. That's what Daniel Hunter is. And he was awesome. As much pub as Everson Griffin has gotten in recent years, and deservedly so, the Vikings defense has been good for it seems like the last decade with guys like I did a show the other night with Eric Thompson of the daily Norseman. And he started naming off Vikings defensive players. And he starts like Daniel Hunter, Everson Griffin, Harrison Smith, Xavier Rhodes, uh, Anthony Barr, all these guys. It's like, they've all, it feels like they've all been there for a decade. Uh, But Hunter right now, at least to me, I think is their best player. And again, you're not going to win a lot of games if your quarterback is on his back. You know, the 18 and 0 new England Patriots, Lost to a bad Giants team. Why? Because they hit Tom Brady. So it's that simple. Uh, football, it changes a lot, but there's some things that don't change. If you have a quarterback and people who can sack the quarterback, you're going to win a lot of games. Green Bay needs to keep their quarterback upright. So Daniel Hunter, I think, is that guy. Brian Balaga, they're probably going to line him up over you. I'm sure you're listening to this show. So <laughs> buckle up your chin strap. You better have a great game on Sunday. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure this is the very first thing he turns on when he gets up in the morning. Um, 
But Maggie, if there's one player you're looking at for Sunday's game from this Vikings defense, who are you looking at that's going to be the most disruptive? I'm cheating. I'm going to put that out there right now. But I'm going to say both safeties. I'm going to say Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris. Anthony Harris had a big game against the Falcons. Do I expect him to repeat that performance? No. But Harrison Smith is also one of the best in the league as a strong safety. So I expect that complement of safeties um, to really pressure Aaron Rodgers and get after those wide receivers who, you know, in previous seasons weren't necessarily able to create a ton of separation on offense. So I want to see how the Packers offense looks against the Vikings uh, dominant safety unit. And honestly, if I, I think I speak for all of Packer Nation when I say that I hope Anthony Barr has a very bad game and doesn't even make a single note on the stat sheet because I think we're all sick of seeing the highlights, the one highlight that the Vikings fan base has since 1961 um, as something relevant. So let's just get him out of the way. Let's not let him do anything impressive on Sunday, and then Packer Nation will all sleep a little bit better Sunday night. I was so sad when he said that he was going to sign with the Jets and backed out. I was so excited for him to leave and go somewhere where we wouldn't have to see him that often. Uh, I agree there. So, um, Well, guys, we are running short on time here. So uh, quickly here, uh, Maggie, if people want to follow you on Twitter, how can they do that? They can find me at my brand new Twitter handle at Maggie J. Loney, and I also write for Cheesehead TV. And Jacob, uh, for for those of you for for those that want to keep up to date on the Baby Watch and everything else that you do, how can they do that? Yeah, Baby Watch is at Jacob Westendorf on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow the new website, or well, it's not a new website; it's a new old website that I'm writing for. It's Packer Report at Packer Report sixty six is our Twitter handle. Uh, feel free to check that out. They're running a thirty percent off promo if you want to subscribe. Andy Herman's grading the pack. Ross Uglum's after further review. Uh, a lot of good stuff, and we're actually just kind of getting started. We have a really good team over there. Mark Eckel, Jake Ogden, uh, Jake Morley. I'm trying I keep forgetting, guys, each and every time I go through everything. But, I mean, the team really is really good. And then you've got me there at the end. I get to throw up some nonsense every now and again, too. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. Uh, I've enjoyed that so far. So that's where you can find my writing if you're interested in that. And then over here at Pack-A-Day, there's plenty of that to go around, too. And as, I, and as always, you can follow me on Twitter at SportsMitty. And as Jacob always points out, my wife is a much better follower than I am. Uh, and uh, you can follow her if you feel so inclined at Fish and Schmitz. So, um, well, that is all the time we have for today, guys. Thank you, Maggie, Jacob, so much for joining me tonight. It was a blast doing this for the first time together, the three of us. Uh, and uh, every every Wednesday from here until Andy tells us otherwise, the three of us uh, will be bringing you the latest and greatest Packer news. Uh, make sure that you are following the Packaday Podcast on Twitter, at Packaday Podcast. And also make sure, I mean, if, if you've been listening this long and you aren't at least following Andy Herman, go follow him. Like, it's amazing the amount of content that the guy puts out. Uh, our godfather here, he is awesome. Go make sure you're at least following him and the Packaday Podcast. So, And then also, make sure you are liking and subscribing uh, to the Packaday Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform, wherever that may be. So, thank you so much for listening, everyone. And as always, go Pack Go!